Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lending podcast. On today's show, we have Caroline Rinker and Bert Grant, and they're here to talk about a great event that's creeping its way back into the world. That's right, education. They're going digital, and they have something coming up in the fall. But before we get into that conversation, which is super exciting for me because I can't wait to get back on planes and fly around and meet my friends and hang out and learn more about lighting. But before that, we got to go to the light thing, right thing, people, Greg, satco.com. Satco, brother. That's right. They have strip lights, LED strip lights. Not a lot of people have that, right? But what a lot of people don't have that I see is a slim option and a wide option. And I can't tell you how many times I run into a situation where they have a four lamp, four foot fixture that's wide. And mm-hmm. then you try to put these slim little fixtures in and they don't cover the foot, the footprint of the old fixture. Now you got to paint around it. That Sat- nasty so wall scar. Wide. That nasty ceiling yeah, scar. I don't like those scars. That's right. Sacco, you got the wide option. You got the slim option. They're connectable up to 10 of them. So that's 40 foot length. They look nice and evenly lit. Uh, they have six knockout points too. That's another thing. I've seen somewhere they only have them on the ends or on one side. This is all over the place. So you can wire it wherever you need to, 0 to 10 volt dimming, 122.77, everything you need out of a strip light. Come on, Satco. Yeah, you got to go to satco.com, baby. That's Satco. They do the light thing. They do the right thing. The lighting gangsters. You've heard it all before. Satco.com. And, of course, proud members, Greg, of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Yeah, baby. Where we take care of things, we educate, we we, we we talk to the government about things, we get it going for all the distributors out there listening. We got your back, so join us. But for right now, say hello to Caroline Rinker and Bert Grant. Hello, guys. How's it going? Hi. All is well. <laughs> Bert, why don't we go over to you first? Tell us a little bit about where you work, who you are, and then we'll break into the education talk after <clears throat> Caroline does the same thing. Sure. Uh, Bert Grant, Metro Area Sales. Uh, we're lighting representatives here in the New York metro area. I've uh, been in business here for about 35 years. And uh, as we'll discuss, uh, I'm one of the founders of uh, Legication. Caroline. Hi, I'm Caroline Rinker, principal at O'Blaney Rinker Associates, also a manufacturer's representative in the New York area. And I've been in business about 40 years in the New York City metro area. And Currently, for Legucation, I am co-chair with the wonderful and magnificent Mr. Burke Grant. Thank you. Thank you. I'll pay you, yeah, I'll pay you later. Tens and twenties. I've got a question. <laughs> right. Right off the bat, do you guys compete with each other? You're both sales representatives in the same area. Yes. Friend, friendly competitors, friendly. we like to yes. say. Yes. <laughs> there you go. And you've teamed up to work on Legucation. Bert, maybe start with you to give us a background on why you started it, when it started. Well, it's about 14 years ago. Uh, it started as a small show, local show in New York. Uh, we had about about 30 attend- exhibitors and about 350 uh, attendees came to the first show. And it was a, a really good success. Uh, even though it was in the winter and a cold night, but everybody came out. And uh, after the show was over, the question came up, should we do it again next year? And the word we got from everybody was, yeah, the show was great. Let's do it again next year. So the following year, we had uh, 
something like 50 exhibitors and about 750 attendees. And then it just kept growing from there. So the last show we had over 6,000 attendees and almost uh, I think 350 to 400 exhibitors. So the idea came from, what did it come from? You thinking that people just needed to get together as a, as in manufacturing rep, you're not one company, you're representing multiple. Did yes. you bring in everybody you repped? Is that how it started? Well, no, it's, um, it was a group of three of us that uh, uh, came up with this idea and this concept, because you have to remember 14 years ago, LED was just in its infancy still. And we came up with this concept uh, of the show. I'll take credit for coming up with the name, Leducation. <laughs> um, and um, it just took off from there. Very good. And Caroline, you, how did you get involved in Leducation? Well, I, I also want to add to Bert that Leducation started off as a DLF NY program. You know where you know we have ver we have monthly programs throughout the year, and you know we never I don't think we ever realized how big it would grow, you know that it would become and and this isn't my quote but it's the best trade show lighting trade show in the country you know whoa whoa um, watch it watch <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I said it wasn't my quote. <laughs> I, not my quote. Um, but uh, I started, I think, Bert, I was at the second uh, education. Was that at FIT? Yes. Yep. Okay. So that's where I started. Um, I had just started on the, exec on the board of the DLF, and they needed a volunteer to man the door. <laughs> And that's what I did. So I was hurting about probably 500 people trying to get them in. And um, it was crazy. And then Bert and, and the rest of the committee asked me if I would like to join the Education Committee. And uh, it's been a roller coaster ride since then. <laughs> nice. Now, who owns the Education? Is there an owner or is it just volunteers coming together putting the money back no, education is uh, owned by the D designers lighting form of new york uh we uh set up the show we run the show it's all by the design dlfny uh, how many other designer lighting forums are there uh we're we're not, we're not all associated but there are there's one in boston and there's one right. in uh, los angeles what is right. the mandate? What is the mandate of that forum? What is it for? Why does it exist? Uh, basically, it's to educate the industry on lighting. Um, it started out with interior designers and and local because you have to remember this started. I think uh, you can correct me, Caroline. I think it started in the 1930s, mid 1930s, yeah. and at that it, time it was there the was women. no. <laughs> It, it was, was the women was, of the IES, wasn't it, that started this separate little forum? Yeah, I thought so. Because at that time, there was no such thing as a lighting designer. There was no profession of lighting designers. So uh, it was started more by interior designers and other people interested in lighting. Hmm. So you guys do with education. Does, does it have other events throughout the year? I assume monthly meetings, calls, things like that? or. What do you guys do? Well, we have internal uh, education team meetings uh, to discuss all the 
uh, things that go into making the show, such as presentations, um, uh, exhibitor issues, and things of that nature. Audio visual, um, you right. know, the layout of, of the show of, you know, um, you know, there, a lot, a lot of effort goes into it. And we, about how many years ago, uh, Bert, did we hire Jason and team to help us manage it? Yeah, the show got so big, we were doing it all by yeah. ourselves. And it just became a just an incredible task. And it got to the point where we said this, we can't do it anymore. We need a professional to come in. And we hired Conexus, uh, which was uh, being run by um, Jason Gridley. And I think it's been about five, six, seven years now, something of that nature. And they're just terrific. They have, they have helped bring us to the next level. Nice. Now, Caroline, you, you said it was a quote, not by you, but what makes it the best show, best lighting trade show out there? Um, many, many things, but uh, first and foremost, it's, it's the support of our local uh, specifying community, um, our students, uh, our distributors. Um, we, we get huge support from the local lighting community in New York. Um, secondly, it's an intimate show where, you know, every, every single exhibitor has the same amount of space you know, and it's not a large space. So, you know, as a manufacturer, because I was also a manufacturer at the show for about seven years, you know, you had a six foot table and you knew you were going to see every client that you put on. So you better put your best in show on that table. And I think that's why we have such great support because, you know, people who come to the show know that they're going to see quality. They also have, there's also that intimate personal um, connection. Um, you know, sometimes when you go to a big lighting show, you know, you're in a big booth and you never get to speak to a person. You know, here it's, you, you have the intimacy of talking to the owner of XYZ and why is this fixture so important to me? You know, so there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, First and foremost, the support that we get from the lighting community, and, uh, and we've like grown to... nationally and internationally now. So you know, we've brought in you know, like I said, guys, we have we have a book show already for our live event in August, and we have over a hundred and fifty people on the wait list. So, I'll I'll give you a real world quote, similar to what Caroline said. Uh, originally, our show was a one-day show, and it as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, we expanded it to two days. But when it was a one-day show, an exhibitor came up to me at the end of the show, and he said to me, you know, in one day at Leducation, I got to see more lighting designers than I've ever seen in three days at another major show, which I won't mention. So... Um... Well, we can dispute whether nailed innovation is better than education at other times. Nailed innovation has a little bit less people come to it, just a little bit less. Um, so it's a, it's a 7,000 person intimate show. Okay, I love that. I love that you, <laughs> you said that. I think that's amazing. Uh, I like the idea of everybody gets the same size booth. I like the focus. Now, anyone that applies 
can come to education. You don't have to be a, a lighting designer. You don't have to be a member of um, the, the forum in New York. Anybody can register for education and come and learn. Is that correct? Including students. Students, okay. Students um, are free. Oh, wow. That's great. And this, I hate to say it, but it feels like it might be the one-year anniversary of your cancellation last year. Something like that. We're close to that, isn't it? Wasn't it in March it, last it, year? It, it, it exactly is. It, yes. Actually, last Thursday was the date that we had canceled for March of 2020. How important, so you're about to launch a digital event now, right? And there's limits to digital events in my mind. Um, how important, uh, maybe I'll ask Caroline this first and then Bert will go over to you. How important is the in-person, the intimacy? There's no intimacy on an online event. How important is that for education? And how, when do you, do you think you're going to be able to achieve that in August? Um, it's very important. Um, and I, you know, I've been um, doing the virtual, you know, this will be the second time. And it's, it's much different. Um, actually, a lighting designer said to me this morning, um, the platform is okay. You know, I get to see the new products. Um, you know, my feet won't hurt because I won't be walking around for hours and hours. Nothing like the touchy-feely, you know, in person, I need to see the fixture, light it up, put it against the wall. Um, but we, we are fairly confident um, that we will have the event in August. Um, just an FYI, uh, we are planning to have an in-person event in August, but we will also run a hybrid virtual at the same time. So folks who may not want to travel yet can still get the benefit of education and also the benefit of all the sessions um, so they can get their credits, you know, their CEUs and such. So, you know, again, um, digitally is a little cumbersome because we're not used to it, um, but there's nothing like a live event. Bert, would you agree? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Oh, Bert, comment on that for me. Expand maybe on what Caroline has outlined there for us and just so that people... I want to encourage people to get back to live events, and I don't know how to do it. I sell light bulbs every day. I'm not a health expert. Um, but I'm kind of getting sick of social distancing, masks. I saw the other day, I went to this, I went to see a, uh, a customer and in their elevator, okay, there was lit in one corner, there was uh, one of those circle mats with feet on it yep. pointed towards the wall. And in the other corner, there was two feet, two people allowed in there pointed towards the wall. I got in the bill in the, in the elevator with the property manager. And I just said to him, I am not doing that. I'm not going to, I'm not being punt like a, I feel like a kindergartner being put to the corner for, you know, face the wall in the corner. I, I said, look, I got a mask on. I'm not coming near you. I'm not standing in the corner of the elevator. It's, some of this stuff is very humiliating. Anyway, there's my beef for the day. But how, especially New York, which is like the epicenter of all this, the original place and where all this stuff started. Um, how do we get people back to the events and how are you guys able to do it in August? Because everyone else has told us that we don't even know if August is going to happen, but you guys are insisting that's going to happen. What have you guys done? How are you doing it? Can you help us understand that better? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, 
there's a there's a couple of things. Um, first off, we have a preliminary layout which will greatly expand the space between tables and the space between aisles. So the, everybody will be further apart than each other. In addition, uh, past show last year, our show was in uh, two rooms. We're going to probably expand to four rooms. Uh, so this will give us a lot more room for people to spread out. We will take all the precautionary measures required. Uh, we will have uh, probably, uh, probably have people at the doors taking temperatures and things of that nature, uh, masks, uh, on and on and on, all the things you would expect at a trade show. The unknown, of course, is the state of New York and the city of New York. Uh, we don't know if there will be any rules in place at the time. We know that they are starting bit by bit to loosen up rules. Hopefully, uh, after May, where they claim most of the people will be vaccinated, hopefully at that point, uh, the rules will loosen up and we'll uh, uh, be able to have greater attendance uh, per room or greater number of people in certain areas. Have you heard anything from New York about vaccine passports required for this type of an event? I've heard mention of it, but uh, I'm not sure. Hmm. Because that's all uh, the rage. I have to. Yeah, I have to agree that we've heard rumors about it and i'll guarantee you we're going to need a, a vaccine passport I'm, I'm going to laminate my card because i'm sure i'm you know i mean i don't say that in a joking fashion i'm sure that'll become a thing <laughs> it's all the rage i mean they, they, that's uh like canada is the worst one of the worst industrialized nations in the world for vaccines so i don't think we're going to be uh, traveling anytime soon and the border's still closed here so but that yeah. being said um you've 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 made accommodations you've changed the layout you've uh, set up the the protocols as they stand right now how uh is this affordable is it like is it the same price is it costing you guys more same price hmm. okay and you know, the, I, have uh, to, I have to say the hilton real is really working with us on that too you know okay. trying to keep everything yes. the way it was Hmm. And, and so the, the Hilton's on board, um, with you guys helping out, everybody's sort of expanding this area and you're saying it's sold out. Like the amount of people you can get in there is sold out there. Oh yes. Holy mackerel. Yes. <laughs> By the way, when talking about the Hilton, uh, there's certain sacrifices that we have to make with the program. For example, uh, historically every year we've provided free lunch for everybody. Uh, but this year, this coming year, we're not going to be able to do that because of the food issues, the handling issues. So there are certain things that we will not be able to do that we've done in the past. Now, are you guys the first official big lighting show? Or I, I know I've seen dates, but I'm trying to keep track of them all. I think Light Fair is in October. You guys are saying August, another, right. I think, strategies. There's another show in September in Dallas. So we're the first one in uh, August. You guys going to play that up? That we're the first? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure, sure possibly. Cool. Yeah, got, you know, hopefully it, it we can all we can pull it all together, but like Bert said, it's all really going to depend on the, you know, the CDC, the New York State, New York City rules. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think the Hilton just opened up in March. 
they've been closed for a year. So it's yeah, um, I think with it's it's. Go ahead. With, I'm with sorry. New York, no, it's okay. New York, I I understand now that people can travel in the state in April. Is that how it's working? And so it sounded like it's starting to come where you can get there because before you had to quarantine for a few days before you could even get in, right? Right. They, they've changed that rule. If you come yes. in from out of state, you don't have to quarantine for 14 days. Correct. Well, you can just well, go we, right well, in we, get there. Well, you know, you know what it is? I think, you know, again, we're, we will have to see where, where things go with the vaccinations and, and you know, herd immunity. Um, but People, I think people, a lot of people will not want to travel. And, and many of our attendees traveled from out of state and out of country. Um, so that's why we're planning on the hybrid also. So they can also get the benefit of education if they're not ready to travel yet. But the people I've spoken to locally are all into, let's go, let's get ready you know, let's follow the, the guidelines and the rules, and we want to start seeing everybody in person. Now, I know it's not likely, given that it's the DLF of New York. Have you guys ever thought about putting it in other, other locations or expanding it? Yes. Actually, we've talked to some people in on the West Coast. Uh, we've talked about putting education on the road. Uh, we have some interest out in the West Coast. But obviously, we started uh, talking about this last year. But because of what's happened, we've put it all on hold for the moment. But one, the day may come where we do a West Coast version. Nice. Now, one of the things that we need to talk about is, uh, I believe your virtual conf convention is today and yesterday and today. Is that right? Today is yes. March seventeenth. Yes. yes. Um, Correct. So, tell us what that's all about. How that's going? What you guys have done for that portion? Well, um, we've we've registered over 4,000 people. So 4,000 people have come through the virtual show. Our session attendance, and I know you guys are going to be talking to Wendy and Craig, is through the roof. Um, I mean, we had f over 500 attendees at one session yesterday. So, you know, they're, they're a big success. Um, you know, um, as we mentioned in the beginning, I'm a manufacturer's rep. So I've been attending, you know, the virtual show for the yesterday. And after I get off the phone with you guys, I'll be back, you know, working my session, you know, my section. Uh, but all my manufacturers are see people are popping in, you know, they're giving product presentations. Um, we're setting up meetings. So, you know, you know, in the beginning, yesterday morning was a little hairy, you know, because we had to get used to the technology and how do you pop in and out. Uh, but once we got the hang of it, people are enjoying it and they're having a good time. So um, that's my virtual experience so far. Bert? Oh, it's about the same. Yep. Everybody will get used to it. Although by the time they really get used to it, we won't be doing them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. What kind of platform are you guys using? Is it something where you have unlimited users that can go into these virtual spaces? Yes. Connexus, uh, and, and um, I know you're interviewing Jason. Uh, he'll be able to, uh, you know, expand on that. He he put it all together. Good deal. 
Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, it's not like a Zoom room where you have a limit of a hundred people. No, it's no, it's it's limitless. <laughs> and what kind of makeup too is is the show? I mean, I know you guys talked a little bit about, but have you, do you have percentages, or maybe somebody else will answer that on a future show where they say, you know, it's fifty percent designers, twenty five percent distributor, twenty five manufacturer, something like that. Do you know what that is? I don't know if we've broken it down that way. Uh, we, yeah. we get in, interior designers, lighting designers, architects, uh, builders, electrical distributors, electrical contractors. Uh, the list goes on and on and on of the types of people that come to the show. Uh, I guess we probably could figure out what they are, but I, at the moment, don't know that breakdown. But the design sure. community would make up the bulk of the attendees. Right. What is a lighting designer? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> what is a lighting designer? <laughs> yeah, tell me what it is. Like, I encounter them all the time, but they're all so different. There's so many different kinds of lighting designers. Like, what is the fundamental print? I know you guys have certifications and all that, but what's the fundamental, like, joining thing that makes a, someone a lighting designer? Caroline, you want to address that one? <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, obviously, they're, they're hired by the architect to design the lighting in the space. Um, you know, not only do they design lighting, you know, they have to, you know, work around energy codes. You know, they have to do comm checks. Um, they have to design a space that's unique to the client. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not saying architects do that. But just like you hire an engineer to do your, you know, your load calculations, you hire a lighting designer to do your lighting. Uh, you hire an interior designer to do your wall coverings and your fabrics, you know, so that they, you know, they, they specialize in lighting. Um, and they don't only, 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 only specify lighting. You know, they don't specify the wall coverings or the, the you know, the wood finishes. Um, they work with the architects to light that wood finish, you know, so um, and and like you said, yes, they're they're all accredited. You know, it's it's uh, now they have master's programs in lighting. Um, and I think Bert had said, you know, way back when, you know, there when I first started many years ago, there were few and far between lighting designers because it wasn't. Yep. Yeah, you know, most lighting designers back then were theatrical lighting designers, uh, you know, and then it became, you know, it just bloomed into this corporate and residential and, you know, uh, now it's a, it's a big field. So to, Bert, what to would go you want to add to that? No, yeah, to, to go a step further, uh, a lot of lighting designers specialize. So you will have one lighting designer that specializes in doing lighting for restaurants. You'll have others that like uh, corporate. They do corporate design. You have others that do hotels. Uh, so it's become, and of course, as Caroline said, some do residential, uh, some may get institutional. So everybody has their little niche. And I guess in that sense, the lighting designers are all slightly different. What percentage is artistic and what percentage is technical of the trade, or is it changed based on the lighting designer? Mm, good question. I, I think that that would depend on the, on the project. You know, yeah. um, 
But, you know, New York City is adopting strict energy codes like California. So, you know, many lighting designers now are challenged with having to meet the energy code, but but give the, you know, the wowza lighting job, which is not easy. Um, it, that's a tough task, but uh, they're doing it, you know. Um, but I would probably say at this point, you might be 60-40. Artistic to technical. Artistic to technical. Okay, so here's one. Uh, we're off education a little bit, but I think that's okay. It's interesting to yeah. the people listening. Um, I wanted to, uh, to ask you this. Um, in, in the last 15 or 20 years, uh, there's a couple angles I want to ask you guys about. But we've seen um, you know, the lighting industry do most of the heavy lifting vis-a-vis -vis energy efficiency in, in the world. So HVAC has not very contributed very much. Um, you know, other areas uh, in that. I would really like to get the bean counters out of the lighting business. I would like to, the entire lighting industry to, to, to step back away. We've already achieved the efficiency gains that we need. And I would like the industry to, these, these, um, these energy standards in New York are really strict. I want them to get into some beautification standards. I want them to get into like talking about bringing back darkness in areas. Um, you know, forget the energy codes, not forget them, but we have the technology to meet those energy codes, but also to make lighting more livable and to make, uh, make for better lighting. I don't know who wants to take it, but how do we get governments to realize that lighting is not only energy efficiency? There's more to the, 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 the subject than that. I think LED has helped that. Uh, with the advent of LED, lighting designers can light huge spaces, uh, do accent lighting, do architectural accents of the different types in a way they could never do before with ab uh, absolutely low wattages, low energy. The, I find it puts us into that um, Jevons paradox, though. Like LED kind of caused some of the problems that we have now, you know, and we're in a paradox where lighting is so cheap now in terms of energy use that people use way more of it than they ever used before particularly in outdoor lighting. You're seeing more more people are putting in soffit lighting pot lights on their homes and street lights are brighter than ever and all this sort of stuff. How do we get everyone focused back on quality and beauty and what a lighting designing job is really all about? How do we do that as, a, as an industry? By the way, when you said street lights are brighter than ever, they might be brighter than ever, but the energy is lower than ever. Sure. Because you're, the the LEDs are probably fifty percent lower than they were before with HID sources. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Right, and and don't forget the longevity, you know, and 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 with the with you know a lot of uh, you know IoT POE, you know, it, the maintenance is is nil compared to what it used to be. And when's the last time you saw a maintenance crew on the street changing light bulbs? What, what's yeah, a light bulb? So, yeah, well, <laughs> a lamp, a lamp. It's not a light we, bulb. we could walk down a whole podcast on that topic, of course. Uh, oh, we could take it in a lot of different, different directions. <laughs> so that's the first thing I yeah. learned in this industry. Don't call a light bulb a light bulb. It's a lamp. That's right. It's a, a lamp, <laughs> <Okay>. right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> 
Well, is there anything else you guys uh, want to tell us about, you know, the education events, anything about the conference before we close it out? Well, for anybody uh, come, who's watching. Come and enjoy the virtual. Right. Come and watch it. Come and participate. And hopefully we'll get to see everybody's smiling faces in a few months. And, and the answer is it's legeducation.org. There you go. And if you're listening to this, folks, out there right now, you will find that link on the Get a Grip on Lighting.com website if you're looking for it. And check them out, man. I was so excited to go to Education last year, and I'm hoping to be there in August. So I know Greg is as well. But, Greg, before we go, what do we got to do, man? We got to go to the Light Thing, Right Thing people, the gangsters over at SATCO. S-A-T-C-O dot com, baby. SATCO dot com. That's right. We talked about their slim and wide LED strips at the beginning. But what I didn't mention is that it can come with or without a photo sensor built into it. Now, that's nice. A lot of fixtures they have to put it on the outside. They have it on the inside. And they have emergency battery backup options. So you can get all that in the same fixture, connectable, separate, however you want, wide, slim, colors, dimming, voltage covered, knockouts, everything. Sacco thinks of it all. Good work. They do the light thing. They do the right thing. You got to go to SATCO.com, baby. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, NAILD.org, who has maybe the first or second best event. We still haven't decided yet if Nailed Innovation is better than Education, but we'll sort that out on another show. And, of course, Caroline Rinker and Bert Grant from Education. We thank them for right now. If you made it to the end of this show with us, hey, we love you guys. See you next week.